Thank you, Judith. Thank you, Joida. Very special time, wasn't it, of communion? It's nice to, to do things differently and mix things up a little bit and uh, to all share at the same time. Very special. Uh, thank you. We have indeed a wonderful Savior who's won such a victory for us and uh, done such an amazing work for each one of us. I want to take you back. If I could have the presentation up. Thank you. I want to take you back to, um, for some, let me just check around the room. Maybe this is a present experience for one or two. Um, and uh, I think it's probably a historical experience for quite a few others. Uh, so I want to ask you if you had a favorite teacher at school. Yeah? Somebody had a favorite teacher at school? Someone who really inspired you? Yeah? Okay. Uh, and you might have had a favorite teacher because they were the soft touch teacher. You know, you could get away with anything with them. If you hadn't done your homework, it would probably be all right. If, but I suspect that wasn't the favorite for many. Uh, others may have been your favorite because they were funny. And, and you enjoyed their lessons, and, and you had a good time, and you just knew this was going to be all right. Some teachers, it was hard work to get through the hour of the lesson, or half an hour, however long it was. But this one, you knew it's going to be okay. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. We'd be fine. Others may have just captured something of your imagination and inspired you to, to, to learn in a particular way. And that particular kind of style of teaching is amazing if someone can do that. They can capture imagination and motivate you to learn. It's brilliant. Others may actually have equipped you for life in some particular way. And there may have been a teacher or somebody important in your life who equipped you for, for practically for some of the things that we needed to do in life. And, and that's really the kind of thing I want to talk about today a little bit, is about some of those, uh, that practical equipping that happens um, in our lives when people who are important to us come alongside us and, and influence us positively. Most of the time we don't really notice what's going on. And it's not until you pause and stop and look back and you think, oh, who helped me be equipped for the things I've needed to do in my life that you can begin to name some people and think through some of the significant people. As I was thinking about my own life and thinking about speaking this morning on people who equip me and encourage me and inspire me, there were so many. And at different points in my life, it's been different people. And I went right back to being a teenager. And I rem remembered a family called the Talbots. And uh, you won't, most of you won't know them, um, but Robin Talbot led the church that I was going to as a teenager, and uh, great guy. Lots of stories to tell us he'd been uh, in the army. I think he'd tried for the paras, but didn't quite make it. There was quite a story about why that was, but um, kind of got us doing some crazy things. Things like a stress and survival course as a group of teenagers. You could never risk assess this these days, because um, it just wouldn't pass. Um, but we had a weekend on Dartmoor, and, uh, which involved walking for many, many miles. It involved uh, sleeping in plastic bags and nothing else, and no tent, nothing else. It involved cooking our dinner, and chickens were brought in containers. They, they were still chickens, and we had to make our dinner. Uh, it involved doing the Royal Marine Assault Course. Um, which is in Devon, and going through, you know, the submerged tunnels that you go through, the kind of water tunnel, all that, and through the, um, the, the one with the corrugated iron that's a long, wiggly tunnel, and, and I had in front of me one of the adults. I'm a teenager. This guy was six foot whatever, big guy, and suddenly discovered he was claustrophobic ahead of me. Now, I, I, I wasn't that 
claustrophobic, but I was when I was following him and he got stuck. You know, can you imagine? So this is us as a group of teens. Doing, you'd never get away with this these days. But Robin was an inspirational guy. He used to tell us stories of being a missionary in Thailand and some of the things he'd seen God do. The times when uh, they'd gone into, they, they got kind of evacuated almost from a village. They left a village just at the right time before it was wiped out. Uh, there was some fighting going on at the time. Just some amazing stories. Or, or his son, Bruce, who invested in my life as a teenager and led our youth work. Or his, his other son, Ian, uh, who prophesied into my life and encouraged me and kept in touch. People who, who inspire but do more than that. They actually equip you for living. Equip you for taking steps of faith. Equip you for, for being the person that God's called you to be. And there are great people around who, who are involved in our lives in those sort of ways. It's not until you look back and you think, well, how did I get these skills that I have uh, that you begin to think, well, somebody must have taught me. Just as I was thinking about this, again, um, I haven't been able to get the video for you, but you, some of you who will know the people I'm talking about can go and find it. Um, only yesterday it was. Uh, some of you, many of you remember Dominic and Elisa who were here on team and then gone to America. Dominic uh, put a picture up or a video up of Liam learning to ride a bike. So Liam, th their eldest son, can now ride a bike and he was uh, on video uh, tootling around the street and uh, very exciting to see, isn't it? That moment where a child begins to learn something they've not done before, equipped to be able to carry out a task. And for most of us, if you can ride a bike, there was a moment when somebody helped you. I guess they were holding the back of the saddle and let go at some point and you, off you went. Maybe you wobbled a few times and fell over and cried and picked, up and picked yourself up and carried on again. But, but somebody was there to help. And it's that sort of thing I'm talking about today. So talk about being equipped. As a church, as Christians, we're called to be part of God's work in the world. That's our highest calling is to be part of what God's about, what God's already doing in this world. And, and we want everything we do to fit in with what God's agenda is for our lives and for his church. We don't want to write our own agenda. We don't want to come up with our own plan. We want to follow God's and to follow his way. Somebody said this. It was Alistair McKenzie who said this. The effectiveness of a church's mission largely depends on its ability to mobilize its people in doing God's work in the world. It was only last week I was speaking about mission. And this is the fifth of our five uh, things that matter to us, as a particularly matter to us as a church. This is number five of those. And uh, so last week I was, linking, I was speaking on mission. I've just got this quote here to link the two things together. That actually unless we can mob be mobilized into being in God's mission, unless we can have that equipping uh, to do what God's called us to do, we're, we're going to miss out on what it is God wants us to do. There are various pictures of the church when we read through the New Testament. And... Uh, uh, Several different ones, uh, but I've got a bit of one here. This is the body of Christ. This is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And then later on it says, Christ is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You'll have noticed there was a gap between those two passages. Several verses missed out on purpose. It was too long to read. But there you go, a little bit here. So we've got the, the images of the body of the church being the body of Christ, with Christ as the head. And he's given, Jesus Christ has given different people as gifts to equip the body to fulfill its work. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. 
different gifts, different types of people. And later on we get this image as well that as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body's healthy and growing and full of love. We get this image throughout the whole of the New Testament that the church is called to be multi-generational, multi-gifted, multi-ethnic, diverse in so many different ways, and yet together playing its part. Just as Joida was getting us to celebrate being a family together, one body, so we all play our part in preparing each other to do what God's called us to do. Each of us have a part in growing each other and helping shape each other and helping uh, prepare each other for what God wants us to do. In the NIV, it talks in this passage about um, doing the work of the ministry. And, and you can get the very obvious uh, impression from reading that passage that when you ask who's the minister of the church, of this church, the answer isn't a super spiritual, well, it's Jesus. Nor is it a practical, well, who's got a title? It's actually all of us. We're the ministers of the church. We're the ministers of God's kingdom. We're the ones who administer God's grace to people. We're the ones who, each one of us, are equipped to do the work that God's called us to. I want to look at this theme of equipping today as something which I believe is absolutely vital for the church and, and, and vi vital for us as individuals in every aspect of our lives that we're equipped to be the people God has called us to be. So, I've got one passage. Now, it's a bit of a lengthy passage, but I'm going to base quite a bit of stuff on this today uh, because there's one relationship I really want to focus in on. Because all equipping, I think, happens relationally. And I want to focus in on one passage which is reflective of Paul and Timothy. And if there's a great relationship in the New Testament that sums up this whole thing of equipping, it's Paul and Timothy. So we're going to look at this a little bit today. And uh, I'm going to read this. I know it's on your screen, but I'll read it anyway. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who's the saviour of all people, and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, but in the way you live, in your love, your faith, your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you've received. So Paul writes a couple of letters to Timothy, and uh, both of them are great. Uh, they're encouragements to him, they're challenges to him, and he's writing to a younger man. We'll look a little bit at their relationship later on, but he's writing to this guy who's, who, Timothy's younger than him, and uh, Paul's having an influence into his life, and he's speaking to him in the first letter of Timothy saying, I'm coming. I'm going to come and see you, but before I get there, do these things. In the second letter of, to Timothy, Paul's actually saying, come and see me. So the, the relationship's changed. There's a time gap in between. In one, Timothy's in, in Ephesus, and Paul's saying, I'm coming. Carry on doing this till I get there. In the second one, he's saying, right, now do this, and then come and see me. So that's the kind of, the, the kind of piece that we're, we're looking at today. And as I was thinking about this kind of call to be equipping one another and resourcing one another and calling out gifting in one another, I was trying to think, what? What is it that makes that equipping relationship work? What is it we need to do to be able to equip one another, to raise up leaders, to raise up gifting in other people? And I think we need several things. I think we need inspiration to start with. Inspiration. And Paul sets out in this passage to inspire Timothy. He, he ends that, 
that verse at the top, 1 Timothy 4 verse 10, our hope is in the living God who's the saviour of all people and particularly of all believers. This is like worship when, you know, you've come in and it's been a sunny day and, and, and you know, maybe the barbecue's, you're thinking about the barbecue later or whatever it is, or you may be thinking about the bank holiday, but there's stuff going on. And, and you come into the place of worship and as Ross or whoever it is leads us, suddenly you can get a bigger perspective, can't you? You know, or if someone brings a word, someone opens up a scripture, someone says, I think I've got a word from God. It happened in the prayer meeting this morning. James shared a, a word and suddenly everyone was focused in on what God might be saying through that word. And, and in that moment, you, our perspective on what our agenda is, what our plan is, changes and, and suddenly we're seeing God's picture and God's agenda. That's what's happening here as Paul is inspiring Timothy to see something bigger. Then secondly, what we see is some input. He's actually giving some teaching, some, some input into what's going on. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. He's giving some instruction in this point. Now, yesterday, a few of us, not many, a few of us went and did some painting. And uh, this job required some scaffolding. So a couple of the guys had gone to get some scaffolding and uh, it arrived. Now, I don't know the first thing about scaffolding. I've just had a chat to Josh at the back and he tells me it wasn't scaffolding we had after all. It was something else because he knows about scaffolding. He's an expert. Hey, what was it you said it was, Josh? Just an alley tower, is that right? Yeah, so there we go. We didn't even have scaffolding, fellas. We had something else. But it looked like scaffolding to me because it was bits of metal that we put together and we stood on. But I didn't know what to do. And as they, these bits arrived, Roger was the man who took charge and, and showed us how to assemble the scaffolding. And he didn't inspire us. He didn't tell us how wonderful scaffolding would be. He instructed us and gave us input on how to put scaffolding together. Uh, the next thing Roger did uh, is what Paul's encouraging Timothy to do here. He says, be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live, in your, lo your love, your faith, and your purity. He's talking about imitating. And so what Roger then did, he was the first one up the scaffolding. And uh, don't be surprised, he was brilliant. And I spent most of the day up there, didn't you? We did, did bring him down for lunch at one point, but um, I think he'd have quite happily been up there today, all the rest of today as well. But brilliant, just kind of set an example, not only taught us, but also showed us how to kind of, work on, sca on the scaffolding. Bob sort of got a bit of courage a bit later on and, and joined him and then I waited till the end of the day to have my go. Um, I've seen that it was safe enough for both of them so it should be fine for me on there. Um, but set an example. Pete of course was just watching and advising from the sidelines, weren't you Pete? Yeah. And uh, Nicholas brought the lunch. Where's Nicholas? He's around. So there you go. Wonderful. So thank you very much for that. I was inspired. Um, so there we were doing a little bit of painting, but together the team worked well and we equipped each other and supported each other and resourced each other to do the job that was needed. Paul's writing to Timothy and says this, this bit about um, being an example to believers. Uh, the people that inspire us, that equip us, we often end up imitating. We, we look at a bit of their lives and we go, ah, oh, there's a key there. There's a little bit in their life that I could do with imitating and copying. Not the whole of their life, because I wouldn't want all of that, but there's something. And you know what it's like when you see someone who just seems to have something working in that area. You're looking, what's the key? What is it? And when you find it, you go, ah, oh, maybe I can follow that. Maybe I can imitate that. Maybe I can be a bit like them. Paul also goes on to this aspect of application. He doesn't just leave it with imitation, but application. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. 
So he's not here giving Timothy things to think about himself, but he's giving him stuff to do. This is how you apply this teaching. This is how you apply the equipping. He's, he's being practical. And finally, impartation. Don't neglect the spiritual gift you received. So equipping is about, in this passage, we see it's around inspiration, input, imitation, application, impartation. There's a lot going on in this little passage of a few verses of how Paul is once again equipping Timothy to do the job he needs to do. Never stops. Paul's a man who never, ever stops equipping people and helping them grow. And I was just thinking again about this. I, I realized that it was important for me to reflect on my own life and, and ours together and, and realize that we actually, we never stop learning. It's important to never stop learning. You know, every single one of us needs input that shapes our development. None of us have reached the point where we need to stop learning and say, I've learned everything I can learn now. That's it. I've come to the end. All of us need that. There's never a point at which we stop growing or needing to develop. And that starts with a willingness for people to speak into our lives. And I tell you, sometimes that's uncomfortable, isn't it? Can that be uncomfortable when you're learning? The learning process isn't always a comfy one. Those of you who've just finished studying or are still studying, uh, there's times when you're learning that you go, I wish I wasn't learning anything. I just want to be finished and through this. And when you get through it, people say, oh, I wish I was back at school. No, they don't, do they? There's a few, few people say that. A few of you are going, yeah, I loved it. And there's a few vigorous shakings of the heads going, no, I'm glad I'm out of there. Because that learning journey is hard work. And it carries on for the whole of our lives. Unless you're proud and you say, no, I don't need to learn anymore. I'm done. No one, no one can teach me anything. I don't need to imitate anyone else. I don't need to be inspired by anyone. I don't need to be instructed by anyone. I don't need anyone to impart to me a spiritual gift. I've got everything I need. Thank you very much. I'm finished. But that kind of pride doesn't help us. It doesn't help us grow. It doesn't help us serve God. It doesn't help us be equipped. It wouldn't have helped me put scaffolding up. It doesn't help us do the stuff we need to do. We never, ever stop learning. There's a call for us to become lifelong learners. I was down at the Broadmead building a couple of weeks ago, and Julie was running her... Julie, are you here? I'm looking across. I can't see. There you are. Wonderful. Julie's running her art class. And I got to see some of the artwork that's going on and, and great paintings. I'm not a painter. Some of you have seen my, my drawings. I can do a stick man or a stick woman. And uh, the, it's not even very politically correct these days. The only variation is one has a triangle and one doesn't. Um, that's it. But I was looking at some of these pictures and they're great. And people have been painting for for years, and I asked, how, how long have you, some of you been coming? And some were a bit embarrassed to answer. They've been coming a decade or more. But the truth is that you don't just learn to paint and stop. You learn and continue to learn and continue to learn. And there's new techniques. And I could see the development in, in what people were doing as they were painting and learning more and more and more. We can continue to learn how to be a follower of Jesus and how to serve him and how to be equipped for ministry more and more and more. Never stop learning. But secondly, don't wait to start doing. I love the fact that the art class I saw was practical. I only saw a little bit of it, but it seemed to be practical. People had pads in front of them and, and paint. I think it was paint. I'm not an artist. 
I love art, but I'm not an artist. I think it was paint, not pens. Maybe pencils and then paint. I think that was what was going on. Pencils first, then paint. And there were kind of tools that people were using to be able to, to produce an image. It wasn't just a lecture on the theory of painting. It, I, my temptation is that I, I would do a kind of 20-week series that I would sit in and learn and, and try and grasp the concepts. But actually, you need to try some stuff. You need to have a go. You need to, need to sketch something out and see what it looks like and, and have someone train you and teach you and help you grow. It needs to be practical. So don't wait to start doing. Sometimes when God calls us to do something, we can feel that we're not ready yet. We can say, I'm just not equipped. I'm not ready to step out. I'm not ready to go for it. I'm not there yet. Actually, now's the time to start serving Jesus. If you need someone to pray for you and we need a new spiritual gift, great. We'd love to pray later, but now's the time to start serving. What else do we see in, in this uh, story? Uh, this is the bit I, I mentioned earlier about Paul then transitioning and calling Timothy to come and see him as their relationship begins to change. Uh, Paul, I think, is a brilliant example of how to equip others and how uh, what's involved in this equipping process. If you want to be part of making other people's lives better or bigger or helping people be ready to serve God in a particular way, then this is Paul's example. At the end of 2 Timothy, he writes this, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've remained faithful. Another version talks about being poured out like a drink offering. Paul shows us, as he's writing about the Christian life and about life in church and about how we relate to each other, how we do this thing called serving God, that actually if we want to live a full life, the key to that is living an emptied life. If we want to live a rich life, the key to that is living a generous life where we give away. If we want to live a life that is at peace with God, we live a life that wages war in other areas, that there's this conflict that keeps going on but then actually, if we want to be full, we need to be emptied. And he's describing that here, that his life has been one of continually pouring his life out as an offering to God. Uh, that passage is challenging, isn't it? It's so countercultural today when we know we need to. We know that built into to the biblical text, into the way God works, is, is work and rest. We understand the principle of rest. We understand that even God demonstrates that by resting on the seventh day. Creation in six, rest for the seventh. We get, but we've gone so far into this, this whole thing about needing me time and it's all about me and how I'm feeling and all the rest of it and me having all that I want. And Paul's saying to live a full life, to live a life where I've run the race and I've remained faithful. Actually, I've got to pour out everything I have into other people. I've got to pour out and keep pouring out and keep, pouring out into others. And he's demonstrating a kind of life which is one dedicated to building other people up. What's the alternative to that? Well, I guess there's many, but one, if you're going to polarize it, would be to say, well, that I'm going to live a life that's all about what I receive, not, not about what I give. That we're going to live a life that's about paying off the mortgage and getting a better car and having a great pension and going on really nice holidays as a goal in themselves, and I'm going to get to the end and, and be full. And Paul's getting to the end, 
and he's empty. And yet in God, he's full. There's a story in 2 Kings 13, verse 21, which is a story of an old prophet called Elisha. And Elisha has died, and he's been buried. And uh, then it's a funny little story. Um, but what happens is some raiders uh, come into a, the land one springtime, and some Israelites are burying a man, and, uh, burying a man, and they see these raiders coming. So they throw the man they're burying quickly into Elisha's tomb, and they run away. Because they haven't got time to bury him properly. And the Bible says in 2 Kings verse 13, 21, But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. That's an unusual story, isn't it? That would ruin a funeral. And, and that little story, I, I heard a, a guy called Paul Scanlon some years ago talk, teach on this. And he was teaching about living full and dying empty. That we need to live a full life, a life that's full of God, but our whole point is to give it away. That we die with nothing left. And he was basing it on this passage uh, in, from, from Elisha's story and saying, look, Elisha obviously had some power left in his bones. Wouldn't it have been great if he'd given it all away and had nothing left because everything had gone? And the key to us living a godly life is to keep giving away. And the secret we discover is that as we give away, we get more in. Uh, some of you will have these near your homes or in your gardens I'm showing a picture, for those listening on, uh, online, I'm showing a picture of a butt on screen. And uh, <laughs> it's a, so we've got one of these in our garden. It's a water butt uh, that collects uh, water and uh, rainwater. And what happens is obviously you get water coming in from the gutter and it goes into the tank and then you take some off the, the base of it and it comes out the little tap at the bottom and we've got one of these in our garden and I've discovered that if you're taking water out at the bottom and you get fresh water in at the top it stays okay but if actually it sits there a while it's not so great and some of our lives we can we can kind of remember the time we've poured in from God and we can get tired and weary and some of our tiredness and weariness actually sometimes bizarrely is that we've not been giving away much Bizarrely, the times that you're energized and refreshed are when you give away, even in your weakness, and you find that God is refilling you with fresh strength and fresh revelation and fresh anointing. It seems counter, counterintuitive somehow. How can, I, how can I, in my moment of weakness, give anything else away? But as we trust God, it's like that fresh water coming into our body, uh, uh, coming into this and, and then kind of flowing out again. It's like God's fresh anointing flowing into us and flowing out. The truth is that we never run out if we're trusting God. There were times that, I mentioned school days earlier, just times in primary school when, for some reason, kids love making lists, don't they? Have you noticed that? Lists of their favorite friends. You're my fourth favorite friend. You know, maybe you might aspire to be the third favorite if you bump off the other one and you know that's great now you're my third favorite friend and so on you can rise up the ranking and and eventually you're my favoritest friend the truth is as you grow up you discover that you can have more than one best friend you can have lots of friends and invest in their lives and it's okay that you don't run out of friendship that it, it's not like a bottle that you can only kind of give to one person and say there you go i can only entrust this to you actually you can share yourself with others and and it's okay. Parents discover the same thing with kids. If you have more than one. 
You, you don't have a second one and go, I'm really sorry, I've run out of love. You can't have any more. We kind of got a bit lavish with the first one. You discover as a parent that you, you know, there's, there's more. And, and it's amazing. So as you give out, you get more coming back in. Equipping isn't just about hanging around people and being willing to pour out your life. Equipping actually is very practical, and Paul gives Timothy some very practical examples of what to do. This is a, a great passage in 2 Timothy 2. This is, this is about passing on what God's given, and this is the, the kind of key. I'm going yeah, to end with this, this kind of point. Um, I'm going to make the point, and then I'll wrap up after this one. But this is the kind of key crux of it, really, about passing on what God has given to us. says this, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful passage. But the second verse of that is the key, I suppose. It says, you heard me teach many things have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You've heard it from me, so now pass it on to others on the basis that they'll be able to pass it on to others too. Equipping other people doesn't just stop at the next person we're dealing with and the next person or, or shouldn't stop with us. When we've been built up and encouraged and people pouring into our lives, we should pour that into other people's lives. And that's what Paul is doing here for Timothy and encouraging him to do. He's, he's training him and teaching him how to do this. What, it, what is it that you've been given to pass on? What is it that I've been given to pass on? What encouragement, what gifting, what wisdom... What spiritual gift do you have? Think of 1 Corinthians 12 or 14. What spiritual gift do you have that you can be passing on to other people? Romans 12, some of the ministry gifts there. What is it God's given you that you can be passing on to others? One of the favorite children's games at parties is Pass the Parcel. It's a great game. It's built on the simple premise that you get given a parcel and that when the music stops, you're allowed to open a wrapper. But if the music doesn't stop, you can't open a wrapper. You pass it on. And it's a game that takes kids a little while to get the hang of when they're little. Because they grab the parcel and don't want to pass it on. And there's, there's kind of tears as you explain, no, it's got to be passed on. Particularly if it's the kid's birthday and they've got used to having presents. And now they've got to give them away. And it's all a bit confusing. But the basic premise of the game is that you can't just get the parcel and sit there while the music plays and hold on to it. It's not how it works. It's not only not how the game works, but it's not how life works. God doesn't give us gifts so that we can feel better about ourselves or feel more powerful. He gives us gifts so we can give them away. He gives us gifts. He equips us so that we can equip others and, and resource them. He encourages us so that we might encourage. He gives us finance so we can be a blessing. He gives us teaching so we can teach. He gives us prophetic words to raise up the, the gifting that's within us that maybe you're going to prophesy over somebody else's life. He, or maybe you're going to give a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Maybe God's healed you so you've got faith for healing in somebody else's life. Maybe that's why God gave you the breakthrough for that healing you've been seeking because actually there's someone else who needs you to pray for them. And maybe they're here today. 
Because what you've received wasn't about you so much as what you can pass on to somebody else. And as we're passing on and equipping others, so God's kingdom grows. I want to just go back to that passage as a wrap-up. Whenever I think about equipping others or passing stuff on, one of the first thoughts that come to mind is, what on earth have I got to pass on? What can I give? Who am I? And Paul writes to Timothy, and he, Timothy, and he says this, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You see, what we're passing on to others isn't about us at all. What Paul's saying to Timothy is, Timothy, it's not about you. I'm not asking you to be strong in your own strength. I'm not asking you to think the best thoughts you've ever had. I've already told you, just pass on the teaching I've given you. So he's not going to think of anything new. Just pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. But as you're doing that, be strong in the grace God gives you through Christ. You, you don't need to be strong in yourself. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to uh, worry about kind of pretending to be something you're not. But be strong through the grace God gives you. Timothy's a young man. Uh, in his first letter that Paul writes to him, with insecurities and anxieties, he's got stomach trouble. Paul says, take a little wine for, your, for the sake of your stomach. Uh, and all those things get worse as you start a public role. Those insecurities get magnified, and Timothy's finding in this, these letters that Paul's having to write again and again and say, be strong, be strong. But here we see the key to it, that it's not strong in his own strength. None of us can serve God in our own strength. If you, if you try, it's a short period of time that you can sustain it. Because actually, I can't do anything in my own strength. I'm all right at trying, but I get worn out. And, and it's not good for me. I run out of myself and end up doing things I shouldn't do. We're open to attack in that moment. The other alternative I, I can tend towards is to hide my weaknesses and think that I haven't got any. And actually, that's just as bad too. We need to be honest and open and say, look, it's God's grace that allows us to pour out our lives into other people. It's only by God's grace. It's only by God's grace that allows us to stand again and again and pass the truths of God on to others. I said I'd finish with that point, and I will practically. I just want to inspire you with this thought. And I hope it's inspiring. Some of you will know the names I've been speaking about, Paul and Timothy. And at the end of Paul's letter, as I go back to it, Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, come as soon as you can. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he was helpful to me in my ministry, or will be helpful to me in my ministry. And then he says, do your best to get here before winter. I just want you to see that there's a link. You're like a link in a chain. I'm like a link in a chain. Where we're encouraging other people and equipping them and pouring out our lives into them. We're a link in a chain that God's using. So Timothy is at the end of this at the moment. He's about to pass on stuff to other people because Paul's told him to, but here he is. But Paul is linked to Timothy because Timothy's been encouraged by Paul. Uh, and when you read around the story of Timothy and Paul, you discover that it's in Acts 16 that that Timothy is taken by Paul to go on Timothy's first missionary journey. And Acts 15, at the end of it, is where we meet Mark, because he's been with Paul, and, and, and he's let 
Paul down and Paul's had a fallout with a guy called Barnabas and, and they've split up and they've gone in their different directions because Barnabas wants to take Mark that he's related to on a missionary journey and Paul doesn't want to take him and you've got this, this moment where there's a breaking but actually that then leads into Timothy being taken on a missionary journey himself. So you're link, there's these links in the chain from Timothy to Paul to Paul to Mark and from Mark to Barnabas and Barnabas encourages Paul because it's only because Barnabas takes Paul by the hand and introduces him to the apostles when he first becomes a Christian that Paul even goes on any of his adventures. And each one of these is like a link in a chain with one person choosing to encourage another, choosing to encourage another, choosing to encourage another, choosing to encourage another. And so they all link together. God's given us stuff given us gifts he's poured out his spirit into us and our role our joy our delight is to pour that into others each of those links of the chain spent time together they went places together they did stuff together and in that doing stuff together they formed relationships that allowed one to be equipped by the other and at the end of paul's life when he's saying i've been poured out it's those links in the chain that he's referring back to and he's pulling back into his life again. He's saying, Timothy, come. Mark, the young man who let me down, will now be helpful in my ministry. Do your best to come before winter. May we have the privilege of pouring out what God's given into our lives, into others, that we might build each other up and see people equipped. And we might start today. If you're not, don't feel ready to be equipping others, then I would pray a quick prayer today. Lord, show me what you've given me and show me how I can give it away because I believe that God's given us gifting and he's given us anointing, he's given us ability that we can be pouring out into other people's lives today. So can we pray? Father, we are aware of your incredible goodness to us. You've poured out your life into us again and again through the Old Testament we read of you meeting with people. In the New we read of Jesus coming to be with us and, and being our Savior and rescuing us. And we thank you, Lord, for your incredible grace. We thank you, Lord, that it's only by your grace that we stand. That it's only by your grace that we learn, that we grow, that we have anything to pass on to anybody else. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us boldness to see what it is you've given to us. Not just the gospel, though that's life-changing and amazing, but the way you've wired us and the, the giftings you've placed within each one of us, the calling you've placed on our lives. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to see other people and to, to think, well, if only they did this, they could. And, and Lord, actually to come alongside each other and, and come alongside each other and build up and encourage and pour out our lives into one another. Lord, I pray where one of us is weak, another one might be strong. Lord, where one is suffering, may one come alongside and say, I'm standing with you in this bit of the journey. Lord, we recognize that all of us need to learn. I know I'm still learning, even today, and still wanting to grow. But God, I pray that even in our vulnerability, even in our wanting to learn, wanting to grow, and realizing that we haven't got it all together, would you show us how can we can pour out the bit you've given us into other people's lives? that we might see each other equipped and growing and sent out and the world changed as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.